welcome to the Preaching Matters Podcast. My name is Alan Carr, and I am your host. Thank you for listening to our episode today. On this podcast, we talk about preaching because we believe preaching matters, and we certainly want our preaching to be better. We want it to glorify God, and we want it to be biblical. And so that's what this podcast is about. We talk about all matters related to preaching because we believe preaching matters. So thank you for tuning in today. We're going to get right into the episode, but before we do, let me ask you to go to your favorite podcast directory and leave us a good review. We would appreciate that. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Now, let's talk about preaching because preaching matters. Welcome back to the Preaching Matters Podcast. My name is Alan Carr, thankful to be your host, and I appreciate the opportunity you and I have been given to spend a few minutes together. Right now, this is episode number 13, and we're working through a 12-step process of expository sermon preparation. Last time in our previous episode, we talked about the step of isolation. And by that, I mean that one text out of all the texts of the Bible must be chosen as the basis for your expository sermon. So you settle on a text, and you take that text, you isolate it with the help of God, and you prepare your heart to preach it. The second step is the step we want to discuss today, and it is the step of meditation. And this is a step you do not want to ignore. Now, I understand. If you hear the word meditation, you automatically think about somebody doing yoga or somebody going after one of these Eastern mystery religions and they're sitting cross-legged on the floor in the lotus position going, um, well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about putting your brain to work, to think. The word meditate means to ponder, to study, or to consider. And it comes in the Bible from an old Hebrew word root word, which means to mutter. And the idea is that you are continually going over the passage again and again and again, talking your way through it, thinking your way through it, walking your way through it. And this is a step which must not be minimized by the preacher. After a text has been chosen, the text must be read and reread until you are completely familiar with what the passage says. It's said about G. Campbell Morgan that He used to read a book of the Bible at least 50 times before he began the work of preparing sermons from the book. Now, why did he do that? Well, G. Campbell Morgan wanted to be sure he understood the book. He understood the wording. He understood the flow. He got all the connections, and he was able to understand everything the book said. And I think you and I do a disservice both to ourselves and to our congregation when we don't spend ample time meditating over our text before we begin the work of actually writing down our sermon. Not only that, but we owe it to the Lord to spend ample time meditating upon his word. So after you have chosen a text and after you have read that text many, many times until you understand it, be sure you take the time to meditate on the text. Now, Meditation is an almost forgotten art in our society. We're used to having everything delivered to us in an instant, right? Phone calls, text messages, emails, my goodness, microwave popcorn, you name it. 
We want everything in our hands immediately. But the Bible is a unique book, and it's unique in that it rarely yields its most precious jewels to those who merely window shop its pages. It saves its greatest treasures for those who spend considerable time allowing the Word of God to work in their hearts and minds. Now, this idea of meditation is not something that I'm making up. In fact, you find it many times in the Bible. It's referenced many times. The psalmists were familiar with this idea of meditation, and they commanded and mentioned its practice time and again. Let me share a few verses. In Psalm chapter 1, verse number 2, the psalmist talks about the godly man, and he says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That is, he ponders it, he studies it, he considers it, he mutters it to himself over and over and over again. How about Psalm 63, verse number 6? The psalmist writes, When I remember thee upon my bed, and meditate on thee in the night watches. Again, there's the idea of pondering, studying, considering, muttering your way through a text. And then there's Psalm 77, verse number 12. The psalmist writes, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. He's going to think about what God has done. He's going to meditate and ponder and study, consider the works of God and repeat them over and over to himself. Then you go to Psalm 119 and you come down to verse Psalm, Psalm 119 verse 15. He says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. In verse 23 of Psalm 119, princes also did speak and against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statues. Right there's a verse in which the psalmist is being attacked. The princes are speaking against him, but he is meditating in the statutes and words of Almighty God. Psalm 119, verse 48, my hand also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statues. You see a trend here? The psalmist is encouraging us to spend time meditating upon the precious word of God. In verse 78 of Psalm 119, he writes, Let the proud be ashamed, for they they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Again, for him, the word of God is a refuge, a place to go, and a place to hide from the attackers who would seek to do him damage. Then in Psalm 119, verse 148, he says this, Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. That is, he stayed awake at night to ponder, study, consider, to meditate upon the precious word of God. What a blessing that is. And then one more, Psalm 143, verse number five. He writes, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of of thy hands. Meditation, stopping and thinking. A lot of people in our day do not understand what it means to meditate. We're too busy. We don't take the time just to sit back and think about the text we've read and what it has to say. And I think meditation refers to the process whereby the text of the Bible is pondered, considered, and studied by the mind of the preacher. We take the text and we familiarize familiarize ourselves with it, we think about it from every conceivable angle. 
Here's another thing we do. We should try to imagine the scenes described in the text, and we try to place ourselves in the shoes of the characters mentioned. What would it have been like to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace when the Lord came and stood with them? What would it have been like to be on the ship tossed by the Sea of Galilee one night and to see Jesus coming walking on the water? What would it have been like to be one of the disciples taking bread and fish from the Lord and passing it out to a great multitude? I mean, fish that had just been miraculously uh, multiplied in the hands of the creator. Try to think about that. What would it have been like to be that woman who had the uh, issue of blood, who had been in that condition for all of those years? What would it have been like to be Jairus, who, whose daughter has just died? Think about all of those scenes and put yourself in the place of the Lord. Put yourself in the place of those who are hurting. Put yourself in the place of those who are watching these scenes unfold and use your mind to think about that. Try to see all the points of view expressed in the passage. Literally try to put yourself in the word of God. Now you say, well, that's crazy. Just let it say what it says. I understand that, but it's also crazy not to take God's book and to spend time meditating on it. Because as you meditate, as you study, as you ponder, as you consider, as you mutter the word of God to yourself, the Holy Spirit will begin to make things clear to your mind, which were hidden before. And this is not some mystical process, but the Holy Spirit opens the door of scripture, the widest for those who knock the loudest. And the more time you'll spend in the word of God, meditating upon what it says, the more insights you will have into what God is saying. Now, as you do this, do so with a pen in your hand and a notebook within your reach. And as the Bible begins to yield up its treasures, record those insights for later use in the sermon preparation process. And so you want to glean everything you can out of a text. And I'll say this again, as I said in a previous episode, do this before you go to the commentaries. Just spend time with the word of God. Let it speak into your heart. Let God give you truth. Let God give you help. Let God show you what he is saying in the word of God. Spend time meditating upon the text. Now, during this time of meditation, don't be afraid to use your imagination. The Lord equipped us with minds, which can be used to great advantage in making the text of the Bible come alive. There are times when you can imagine scenes being played out and you can think about the participants and the spectators and you can see what they're doing and try to feel how they feel and imagine what it must have been like. But be careful here. Don't ever come to the place where your imaginations become real to you. That is, don't base doctrine upon imagination. Use imagination to illustrate a point and that's all. I remember one time I was preaching about David and Goliath out of 1 Samuel 17, David goes down to fight Goliath. And you know what all's happening in the camp. Everybody's upset by Goliath. Saul has tried to clothe David in his armor. And David said, no, I'm going to go with what I've always used. I'm going to take, I'm going to take my sling. I'm going to take some stones. I'm going to take my staff and I'm going to take God. That's all I've ever needed. And that's all I'm going to need. And so he marches off into that valley to fight the giant. Now, I imagined what Saul might have been doing during this time. I would suspect 
that Saul is probably uh, really watching the battle to see what's going to happen. But in my imagination, I saw him in his tent calling his secretary to him and saying to his secretary, I want you to take a letter. Dear Jesse, I write to inform you that your son David was killed today on the field of battle. That's about how much faith Saul had in this situation. I could imagine two Israelite soldiers watching David march across that valley to meet this 10-foot-tall giant. And as he went, I could imagine one guy looking at the other saying, man, that kid's got guts. And I can hear the other guy say back, yeah, and they're about to be all over the battlefield. You see, that's just imagination. That, and you know, if you were there, if you had been there, somebody would have thought that, somebody would have said something of that nature. But it's okay to use your imagination. And I think you should use it to illustrate a point, but never let that become uh, something that, upon which you build doctrine. It's very, very dangerous to do so. If you're looking for a good book on imagination, I believe the name of it is Preaching with Imagination, and it's by Warren Wiersbe, and it's a really good book on using your imagination when you preach. And he talks about this process of thinking through a text and imagining yourself in the scene and trying to put together what it says. But when it comes preaching time, it's okay to use these things for illustration, for amplification, to highlight, to shine a light on something. But we must never believe our speculations to be the word of God. At the end of the day, our call is still to preach the word, not to preach our imagination. So be careful about that. So when you have your text, here's what I'm, I'm suggesting you do. You get to know your text forwards and backwards. This is a, this is a time-consuming process, but it is so valuable, it cannot be overestimated. Thank God for the privilege we've been given to hold in our hands the inspired, infallible, incorruptible word of God. Thank God we have a book which teaches, teaches us truth about God, truth about Christ, truth about the spirit of God, truth about sin and Satan and the world and ourselves. And we have the opportunity to take this book and read it and not just read it, but to ingest it, to get it inside of us. So that this text not only lives on a page, but it lives in our heart. And as we think through that, it begins to live in our minds. And if it comes alive to us, it's going to come alive to those who hear us preach. And I believe our preaching ought to be lively. Our preaching ought to be engaging. Our preaching ought to be thought-provoking. And we ought to make those who hear us preach hunger for more, number one. But also, we ought to make them hunger for the Word of God themselves. Create in them a hunger for they themselves to spend time in the Word of God, meditating upon the precious text of the Lord. So, get your text isolated. Select that passage. Then, meditate on it. Spend time with it. Think about it from every angle. Put yourself in it and let that text become a part not only of your heart but also of your mind. And let God lead you as you walk through this meditation process so that the Spirit of God may unlock more of the truths of God's Word to you. So that when you preach, your quiver is full of sharp arrows from the Word of God and you're ready to deliver them with the help of of the Holy Spirit.
Well, this is a shorter episode, and uh, we're going to cut it off right there today. Just want to thank you again for listening to the Preaching Matters podcast. Again, you can reach me via email at the Preaching Matters podcast at gmail.com or at alancarr at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And wherever you listen to us, be sure to leave a positive review and feedback. We'd love to know what you think. I come to this microphone. I'm by myself. I'm sitting here looking at a, at a handful of notes, and I'm talking through a few things, but I have no idea what's happening on the other end. Now, I see the stats. I see the downloads. And the podcast is doing very, very well for a new podcast. I thank God for that. But I want to encourage you to reach out to me and let me know what you're getting from this, if anything. And if you think it's a terrible waste of time, then, hey, let me know that too. I mean, you know, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. So do reach out and do let me know what you think. Because this podcast exists not for me. It exists for you. It's here to help you, to here to grow you. And it is here to help you develop as a preacher so that you can preach better sermons for the glory of God so that people can come, hear you, and be fed and be strengthened. Remember, tell your friends about us, share the word, let others know where we are, where they can find us, and be sure, be sure to pray. Pray that God would bless this and reach out to me. I do want to hear from you. Hey, God bless you. Lord willing, I'll see you next week. Until then, have a good one. This is Alan Carr. God bless. Thank you once again for joining us today on the Preaching Matters Podcast. We'll try to have a new episode out next week. So I encourage you, if you enjoyed the episode or you think someone else would enjoy it, first, I want you to subscribe. And I'd like for you to leave a positive review on the platform of your choice or on several if you choose. And I'd like for you to tell somebody else about it. This is a podcast for preachers. If you are a preacher or know some preacher who might benefit, share the news. God bless you. Thanks for being here. I pray that preaching goes well for you. God blesses you in your work for his glory. Pray for us, and Lord willing, we'll see you next week.